met yet. My name is Taylor. I'm one of the pastors here. We got a great team of people that communicate on Sundays, and I get to be a part of that. Um, we uh, are part two of a series that we started last week called I'm In. And this series is, well, we're kind of talking about a lot of things, uh, but it, the, the kind of the idea behind it is that in a church, in our lives, in relationships, in community, that we have a lot better chance of taking steps forward, moving forward uh, individually and together when, you know, we kind of raise our set hand and we say, put me in, coach. You know, I'm ready to go. I'm in. Because otherwise, we just kind of tend to sit on the sidelines. Last week, we jumped in kind of heavy. Uh, we talked about weakness, which is something we try to avoid. Um, and the, the thing we learned last week is we really shouldn't avoid it. Um, and it's something uh, that can really hold us back. And so if you missed last week, you can go online, our website, or our app, download it on your app store, and watch last week, and so you're kind of caught up. Today, we're going to talk about something that I think is a little more inspiring, uh, and so that tends to like not weigh on us emotionally quite as much, but it's really important. And we're going to be talking about gifts. And some of you may be karaoke like wizards, you know, like that guy. That was, I would not. Let's just be honest. I, that would not be me. Um, and Stephanie, my wife, would definitely not be sitting in the front seat laughing. She'd be like so embarrassed. It'd be incredible. Um, but uh, we all have gifts and we all have talents. And that's what I want to talk about today. Uh, and to do that, I wanted to start with a little story, uh, especially for those of you who haven't, uh, weren't with us like seven-ish years ago uh, when the church first started. Um, and we had well, there's a number of stories from there. Some of them uh, were painful, and so <laughs> haven't felt comfortable sharing them yet. Uh, and some of them are really great. Um, and this one's somewhere in there. Um, it's a, it was tough, and it was also really cool. Um, and uh, so the story really begins when we were transitioning, uh, our first big transition as a church. We've had a lot of crazy parts of this journey, but the big one was when we, left, we, we grew our wings and we hopped out of the nest. We left the coffee shop that we started in, in Coralville, and we moved here to CCA and to Tiffin Elementary School, and we started in the library, and uh, the kids were in the cafeteria, and uh, that was uh, quite a move because we were no longer going to have all of our equipment in um, uh, Stephanie and my Highlander anymore. We were going to get a trailer, and it was it was a sleek trailer. Uh, Stephanie's uncle had found it. I don't know where, somewhere in North Dakota, I think. Uh, it had uh, it was black, extensive hail damage, roof leaked like a sieve. It was impressive. Uh, oh, the best money could buy, really. That's the takeaway there. And, um, and so with that, we had a lot more equipment. And so every Sunday, then we were bringing that equipment in and out just like we do now. Uh, but we, we weren't quite as smart as we are now. We've, we're, we've gotten smarter. Uh, but back then, we thought, hey, it'd be really helpful if we had some carts and things to bring things in and out of the school. And it was, uh, so we started hunting down you know, carts. And one place we found a cart, I don't even know how we got it. Maybe one of you remember, you can remind me afterwards. Uh, but we got uh, a medicine cart. I actually took a picture of because we still have them. <laughs> Very impressive. Uh, I think they're from the University of Iowa hospitals. And um, that's where we put uh, our kids' toys and equipment in there. And we have these carts and we'd roll them in. So we had two medicine carts. And then we got uh, from a funeral home in Iowa City. I know. <laughs> I know you're like, what's he going to say we got from a funeral home? Uh, we got uh, some really attractive AV carts. And I'm not talking like, 
I'm talking this, okay? I'm talking, guys, you can put a 27-inch TV on this, all right? Look at that, that bad boy. Um, yeah, so we got uh, three of these carts. They were different shapes and sizes, and we got them from the, half the brakes didn't work. We got them from a funeral home. And then you're like, why does a funeral home have a bunch of these carts? I don't know, but they were free, okay? And so we were using those carts. And so it was very hodgepodge. I mean, if you can imagine this, if like you had been like standing at the front of the school on like our first unload day or a couple days of unloading and reloading the church trailer, here people come out of a trailer with medicine carts, AV carts, and a whole bunch of handfuls of stuff. And it was, well, it wasn't the most impressive thing. You know, I thought the church was great. It was awesome. And, but, you know, from aesthetically, it was probably kind of weird. Anyways, so the one thing that we kind of wanted to take seriously uh, was to get ourselves a sound cart. Because one of the pastor friends sent me a picture of their sound cart and was like, hey, you really need to have one of these. You know, they got, it's called, you can look it up later. It's called Church in a Box. You can literally buy all the equipment you need to have church in a gym or something like that in a trailer, and they literally just pull the trailer up to you and everything's in there ready to go. It's super awesome. We were not that kind of church. We were like a broke kind of church. We're not much better than a broke kind of a church still, but uh, so anyways, um, uh, where was I? Okay, so uh, we we need to build a sound cart um, because what was happening is every Sunday, we would have to unplug all of the back of the, of, of, uh, um, of the soundboard and the computer and everything and then replug it all back in. And I took a picture of our soundboard now, and for some of you, this is kind of intimidating, but imagine all of these all full, okay? Because now we have like digital and we don't have to plug in as much every Sunday as we used to. In fact, we don't have to hardly plug in anything comparatively. Um, but all of that had to be plugged in. And so if you get the wrong thing in the wrong spot, it just screws up everything. So there would be Sundays and some of the band can tell you, some of the band that you're hearing today can tell you that there were Sundays where we didn't have sound working until about 10, 15, 10, 20 in the morning. And people are walking in and we've been there since 7.30. We haven't practiced Brett's laughing. It's not, Brett's like, I've been there. I remember that. It was painful. I cried. Um, yeah. Uh, and it was terrible. It was really bad. Nobody had rehearsed. I hadn't done a sound check. And then we just got the sound working before people showed up. Um, again, we've progressed. We're at least 20 minutes in advance before you all show up. Um, so anyways, I was like, we have to have a sound cart so we're not unplugging and plugging back in and everything, our sound and our computer can all sit in here. But where are we going to do that? Because we didn't have that many people. We didn't have much for resources. How are we going to do that? Um, and so one day, I was talking to my neighbor. Um, his name's Bruce. And I was talking to Bruce. And he was, you know, like, how's it going with the church? That kind of thing. I'm like, dude, I'm trying to figure out a sound cart. Do you know anybody that has a sound cart? Do anybody in here have a sound cart? Probably not, right? Um, and he's like, well, what do, you, what do you think? And so I showed him the picture. And he's like, I can make that. And I was like, you got to be kidding me. What do you mean you got to, you, you you're, he's a bricklayer by trade. Like, that's what he does. And I'm like, are you going to build it out of brick? Like, what are we doing? Like, <laughs> little pig, little pig, you know, like, uh, can't knock over my sound cart. Anyways, um, and so uh, sure enough, over the next week or two, he created an amazing sound cart for us. And I'm pretty sure he gave it to us completely free. 
Um, and I was just, it was the coolest thing that we had, honestly. It was like the coolest possession we had as a church. Um, and it was just so incredible that he did it. In fact, it's so cool um, because it is still the sound cart we use today. I took a picture of it again this morning. Like, it is still here and going, okay? It is the same thing we use. We've changed the soundboard. We've changed the computer. We've changed everything in it. But that soundboard has stayed the same. And now it... And, and, you know, well, back then, you know, we thought, oh, it's a sound card. But now, you know, as I look back of all the cool things that that platform, that space, that box has made possible. Um, you know, now it used to hold a computer and a soundboard. Now it holds two computers, a soundboard, all the video switchers that transmit up here. And, and then it holds, um, we actually then put our whole video mixer on top of it that goes live to all of you watching online and records every week. And the transmitter for that, the internet for that all sits in there. And then two whole uh, big containers of cords go on top of it as well. And it holds all that. And then more importantly, over the seven years that this cart has existed, dozens of people have used it, have served with it. Um, it has been a platform for people to engage. People like you heard AJ last week, right? AJ's doing slides again today. That was his story. If you didn't watch it, go back and watch last week's. Um, but it's a platform for people to get involved and engage. It's a platform in which, you know, when somebody shares their baptism story, it's the place in which that, that sound gets turned up so people online and in person can watch it um, and for us to have messages every week and do what we do and I don't think when Bruce created it he just thought he was helping out he didn't probably nor did I really realize the impact over the next seven years that that little box would have that cart would have and that's really the incredible part of what he did it, it took a really um, a problem that I didn't have a great answer to and and made an incredible solution and it's very much like life. I mean, because let's be honest, if we go back to that picture of the back of the soundboard with all the cables plugged in and stuff, you know, when we have problems in our lives, um, they can look confusing, you know, and if you plug the wrong thing into the wrong place and, and you know, in, in, a, in a relationship or a friendship or whatever, and you get the wires all mixed up and things don't work, there's no sound, it's not working. You know, anytime that there's confusion or uncertainty in our lives and we have a problem, we look at it and we say, how can we fix it? And we don't know, and so a lot of times we ignore it, right? Or we try to figure it out, and sometimes, I don't know about you, but I tend to make them worse sometimes, right? I mean, if you think about the problems that are weighing on you today, that are confusing you today, the answers that you don't have, you're looking for a solution. It'd be nice to have a solution, and the truth is, there's probably someone out there, especially now that we have Google and all that stuff, you've realized there's probably someone out there that has a solution for your problem. But in your current season of life, you don't have enough knowledge, enough experiences, or enough resources to solve it yourself. But there probably is someone that does. And that's really the incredible thing about that sound card. And it's really the incredible thing about the story of even this church is we don't have the resources to do everything, or I don't have the resources or the know-how to do everything, but there's someone that does. There's a neighbor that has that ability or a talent, that experience, that if they just raised their hand and said, I'm in, it would make an incredible difference. 
I mean, think about in your life, maybe a past problem, maybe a recent problem that you had, um, you know, in your family or something, that, that you had a problem and a family member of yours jumped in to help out. Or, you know, back in school, I don't know if you had this and you forgot a project, or you forgot something at home, and you'd call your parents or your school would have to call your parents and, and they would then bring you that item. They'd help you out in your moment of need. That felt amazing, didn't it? Or a family member or a spouse that stood next to you during a, a medical challenge or a coworker that put in a good word for you or a friend that listened to you during a tough time or during a season of uncertainty, um, you know, someone gave you the truth that you needed to grow. Think about those moments where someone else said, I can help out. I'm in. Count me in, coach. In the, in the midst of those challenges, what did they do? Those individuals, and you may have been, I hope many of you have been in those situations where you've been those individuals that have helped out, but what effectively are you doing in those moments? You're simply raising your hand and saying, I can help. I can offer my, my talents. I can offer my time. I can offer my gifts. I can offer my wisdom to help solve this problem and make something that currently is not possible, possible. Or maybe it was just simply that somebody gave you an opportunity, gave you a space or a place to try to explore and to figure it out. That can be a gift in and of itself. But the truth is, there is always, always, almost always, that I could rack my brain in, in challenging situations as I've been or transitions that I've been in. The thing that has made so often a difference in those transitions or those seasons of life are other people. It's someone using their gifts and talents or resources, whatever they had, to make that difference, to make something that was impossible possible. Their gifts, their gifts made you and me or our church, their gifts made you greater, right? Their gifts took something that wasn't possible and made it possible. Their gifts made you greater because they were a part of your life. And it goes both ways too, right? It feels good when you are the gift giver, when somebody is really impacted by your abilities and you can see the fruit or the outcome of that. As Jesus followers, um, for those of you here today that, you know, like consider yourself Christians or maybe you're just still trying to figure it out wherever you are, you've been there, Right? As Christians, though, right, we believe something about our gifts. We believe that God created us to use our gifts together for better. That's kind of the whole thing. Like, we're not supposed to live alone and apart. We're supposed to live together. And God created you and me to use our gifts together for better. That the outcome of us collaborating, the outcome of us working together would make things better. If you took, you know, all of our gifts and our stories and our experiences and our passions together and shared them and offered them to one another, things would get better. And it feels good and it makes the world a better place, right? You look at your coworkers sometimes, right? When you go to work and you're like, hey, I would, you, I would really appreciate today or this week if you would use your gifts to help us get better. Because so far, I'm not sure that you have right? And it would help. It would make a difference. Or as parents, we're often asking our kids or employing our kids or sometimes begging our children to use their gifts, their incredible talents to help out, you know, like, hey, Elliot, that's my daughter. Elliot, could you just buckle your own car seat, please? 
And if you want to be so bold, could you buckle your sister's car seat too, please? Because it makes such a difference. And the reason it makes such a difference is because that's how the world is meant to work. That's how, at least in Christian terms, we believe that God created the world to work. It just works better when we're doing this. It just works better. And the biblical authors knew this. The people who documented God's story over thousands and thousands of years knew this truth. And they knew where it came from. And so you look at the New Testament, like the Jesus and on part of the biblical story. And you read a lot about from Paul over and over again, and Peter even, and they all say, and they all talk about, hey, you have gifts, and it works better when you share them with others. There's this whole passage, there's a number of passages um, that Paul talks about this. Some of you may be familiar, if you grew up in church, you've heard a lot about the body of Christ, and that's from a letter he wrote to the church in Corinth. But today, I thought, well, we'll change it up a little bit, and we'll use another passage that he had, or we could also use Peter here too. But Paul talked about this in Romans. And the part I like about his letter to the church in Rome, which is like modern-day Rome, just 2,000 years ago, the, church that he, the letter that he wrote, he talks about some gifts that we don't think about as gifts. He talks about um, resources and uh, opportunities that we have that I don't think a lot of times we consider as something worth sharing and something worth being given or receiving. And that's what I really like about this is he kind of sets it up really well, and then he gives us a kind of a list of some examples. Not an extensive list, not like all the things that are possible, but just a list. And I like the way he starts it, because here's the thing. Some of you, um, I'm not going to, you know, say names, but some of us, probably, I conclude myself in there. Some of us kind of know we're gifted. And we kind of like to let everybody else know we're gifted, okay? And that's sometimes the problem about being gifted, Right? Have you ever seen that in like actors or movie, you know, movie stars or um, you know, athletes or something? You know, they, you'll see them on TV and you're like, they know they're gifted. Uh-huh. And they let you know it on the TV that they're gifted. And Paul addresses that right from the get-go. He says, hey, if we're going to talk about gifts, I just, just want to level set on that. He says, for by the grace given to me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself as more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment. Okay, why does he say sober judgment? Well, because sometimes when people drink a little too much, they think they are more gifted than they are. Okay, and that leads to problems. Okay, not all of us, but some of you. Okay, and so he's saying, hey, think about yourself as calm. Think about yourself as being thoughtful and not being overly bold, okay? And not being too much of a risk taker. Think about yourself calmly in accordance with the faith God has distributed to each of you. In other words, and you may not believe this, but as Christians, we should believe this, is that our gifts, the opportunities we have, the experiences we have, the things that make us who we are, are given to us. Now, some of them you earned, right? Some of them you have perfected, okay? But some of them were given to you. You didn't get, you didn't um, start from the ground up, let's say. You didn't go from zero. You started from like 20 and maybe then you put in the work to get yourself to 50 or something like that, right? You've made that progress. But a lot of amazing athletes out there, you know this, they started, you know, snowboarding or playing tennis or whatever it was at a very young age. And it's really incredible how talented they were then. Well, where'd that come from? Did somebody teach them when they were two? how to perfectly hit a spin across the net in tennis? No, 
they had, there was something innate that they were born with. And what we call that is that God has distributed through grace. It's a gift freely given. That's what grace is. It's a gift freely given to us. You have this. All of us have this. So when you think about those gifts that you've been given, think about them with humility. And then he goes on. For just as each of us has one body with many, many members or many parts, and these members do not all have the same function, so in Christ, so together, we, though many, form one body. So we're many parts, but we form one community, one body, one unit, working together. And each member belongs to all another. In other words, we're in this together. This is not like a team. This is a body. They're two different things, right? A team at the end of the game, you put your hands in, go team, and you all go your separate ways. In a body, we should all be moving in the same direction and on the same page. And that's what he wants to talk about. For by grace, you were given these things, and you all have different versions of these things, but they all come from God. Then he goes on. We have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us, saying it again. Anytime they repeat something in the Bible, they're trying to make a point. Remember it is what he's saying. If your gift is prophesying, then prophesy in accordance with your faith. And you're like, okay, wait a second now. Like crystal ball prophesying? What are we talking about here? No. Prophesying is a lot, uh, think more in terms of truth-telling, um, a lot, if you read about the prophets, um, you would often read and you're like, oh, they're telling something about the future, right? About what's going to happen, right? And I think God worked through some of them in that way. But a lot of prophesying is, listen, I, I would personally consider myself a bit of a, a, a prophesying person when it comes to my children. I tell them not to do something, and then what do they do? And why do I tell them not to do something? Because I know they're going to do it, right? And then I know they're going to get hurt doing it. I just, it's like all the time. You ever had that as a parent? Maybe it's just my kids. I'm like, hey, please get in the car. They don't get in the car. Then somebody trips each other and they all both run headlong into the wall, okay? And you're like, if you would have gotten the car, this wouldn't happen. Anybody else? Nope, just me. Okay. Okay. Just me. All right. My children. All right. Okay. I prophesied, right? Well, I just know how this goes because I know them so well. And God knows you so well. He knows how this is going to go. And he gives that gift to other people to see that truth through his spirit and share that with you. And so he's like, hey, if, you're, if your gift is truth-telling, then do that in accordance with your faith. Okay? Not just free-for-all, but there, there is a boundary to it. Right? It is in regard to your faith, in regard to God. If it is serving, then serve. Then he keeps going. If it's teaching, then teach. If it's to encourage, and we don't think about encouragement that often, do we? Like some of you truly have the gift of encouragement. And if so, like we need to talk because I could use some. If it's encouraging, then give encouragement. If it's giving, if you have a gift of being generous, then give generously. If it's to lead, do so diligently. Some of you are just natural leaders. You get people, you love people, and you love to help them grow. That's leadership. If it's to show mercy, then do so cheerfully. If it's to, to help those in need, then help them cheerfully. Gifts, gifts aren't always the traditional thing, and they're all not perfect. Like we think gift, we think, um, you know, they have a real gift at playing basketball or something like that. Well, you have a gift of playing basketball. It may not be on the NBA, okay? But it's still a gift. You can play basketball. I can't really play basketball that well. So, right? You have more of a gift in that area than others. 
And if that is your gift, then use it. And I just want to be clear. A gift is a gift because you give it. If you don't have, if you don't give it or share it or serve others with it, it's not a gift. It's a possession. Two different things. A lot of people have possessions. They have a talent and they possess that talent, but they don't share that talent. It becomes a gift when you give it. That's the word gift. Shocker, I know. Some of you just have an amazing gift of just showing up. You know those people, right? You ask them and they're there. I think that's a gift. It's an incredible gift. They don't all look the same. This church has an incredible gift of serving. The reason I know that is because from the beginning, when we started in the coffee shop to now, eight out of 10 people have always served in our church. Like they're on the schedule regularly, serving bi-weekly or monthly in our community, uh, in our uh, community events, or they're serving as small group leader or something like that. Eight out of 10, 80% of people here serve. It's an incredible number. So if 100 people serve or attend on Sunday, 80 people serve, or 120 people attend on Sunday, you know, I don't know the math of this on that. Okay, <laughs> shouldn't have put myself in that position. But you get my point, right? You have the gift of serving. And when you do that, your gifts make us greater. Your gifts make us greater. When you share them, we get greater. Not just you, but we get greater. And that's what God intended. That's what a gift does. And so when you have a problem, and you can't solve it yourself because that's not your gifting or that's not the season of life that you're in, God, in his infinite wisdom, has created this body in which to help you. To help you. Because as Paul goes on to say in another letter, he says, some of you are hands, some of you are eyes. And if the hand starts walking around, crawling around, trying to go see things, it's going to be really difficult. And that's why the hand needs an eye. So the eye can see and tell the hand what to do. And when you can work together, it's incredible. But we have to broaden our understanding of what a gift is and the talents that we have and then our willingness to share it. I want you to hear a a story um, from our Cedar Rapids location, um, and it's from a gal named Holly. And Holly uh, serves on our board now, which is awesome, um, because she uh, has for uh, the last year been been unable to do that because she has been undergoing significant cancer treatment, okay? And the really incredible thing, like you're going to hear her story, and it's like, wow, that's, you know, it gives you goosebumps just hearing her story of the last year plus and her journey through cancer. But it's really the last, like, half of her video that you're going to hear about two teenagers who share their gifts. Now, let me just tell you something about teenagers if you don't know. I would not say that teenagers in general, and if there's teens in the room, I'm not trying to you know, talk down to you, okay? I'm not. I'm just saying, like, when you're in your teenage life, we've all been there. It's just hard, okay? And then when somebody is not, if an adult is not feeling well or doing well, you're kind of in this strange season of, like, I don't know how to respond, right? Because you just haven't lived enough life to know how to respond when someone is dying in your presence. That's tough, But these two teenagers did something that's incredible and what I would call a gift. And they shared their gift, and it was significantly far more impactful than I think they even imagined. And that's the 
crazy thing about gifts is even when Bruce shared his gift of making a sound cart, it has had significant impacts because you never know the impact your decisions now could make on people's lives later. And this is an incredible opportunity for us when we share our gifts and what God has given us, the big and the small gifts, in making a difference in people's lives. So go ahead and watch Holly's video, and then we'll wrap up today's message. So in um, March of 2022, I got my diagnosis from my oncologist, Dr. Stroll. She told me that I definitely had multiple myeloma in the third stage. I couldn't even focus on what she was saying. Didn't even know what multiple myeloma was in any stage. And I don't want cancer, so I didn't want to believe it. But I knew it was something really serious. I felt horrible. And I never had any pain like this before. And I never felt this sick before. And so my gut told me she, that the oncologist was correct. And it was also so hard to tell her daughter. And then my dad. Oh, how I hated to tell my dad I had cancer. I was scared. Stage three, the final stage, and the oncologist saying she wasn't sure if treatment would work. But if it would, I would need to go through radiation. I would need to go through chemotherapy and I would need to get a bone marrow transplant. And I was a hot mess, crying all the time, in so much pain, throwing up all the time. I couldn't get dressed, so I was always, every time I went to the ER or to the hospital, I was in pajamas. Could not do anything by myself. It was horrible. And I remember thinking, I'm going to die soon. What will my daughter remember of this time? What will my granddaughter remember of this time? And how will Rick be able to process all of this? I was afraid for myself and I was afraid for them. He would often sleep in the bedroom closest to my chair, and many nights would sleep in the chair next to me. And one night he had gone into the extra bedroom to sleep, and I was really afraid. And a lot of times after midnight would come those terrible thoughts. And I remember praying um, and just asking the Lord to just show me a sign that he was with me and that I, I needed something tangible, like a flashing sign or something that I knew that no matter what happened to me, um, whether I would you know, die from my illness or whether I would be healed from my illness, that um, the Lord was with me right then. And on that Sunday morning, Rick came in with three dark purple tulips. And he said, when did you plant purple tulips? And I've never planted purple tulips in my life. He said, and they were over at the side yard. And it's um, all shady there. Like nobody would plant tulips there. And you wouldn't think they would come up. 
And I thought looking at those flowers and I knew that that was the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Because whenever I, in my mind, see an image of Christ, whether it's an image that we all are familiar with, or is it, I'm just thinking about what Christ would look like, I always see something purple in the, in my mind, always. I knew that that was my sign that day. Our tulips have been gone a long time. We never had purple tulips before, and there on that Sunday were three of them, just hours after I'd asked for a tangible sign. And on that day, I knew that whether I would be healed or whether I would succumb to the illness, I would be okay. I just knew I would be okay. And the, the blessings that came out of that prayer were just amazing because I could share that story with so many and I was so eager. Like, you guys, the Lord knows what I have. One of the, the big things that happened um, for me with our church family was I was gifted a big basket full of cards and letters and um, a couple of gifts. And I was to take this basket up to the Mayo Clinic where I was having my transplant and just open a letter or two a day. Well, it was a great blessing. And I, I was never get over what people shared with me and how they opened their hearts and how they would express their concern for me and Rick. And it, it was just wonderful. But two of the letters I got, and I asked both young men at church, uh, Carter Bronson and Gabe Langton, for permission to share their letters. Um, Gabe's letter appeared a prayer. And his prayer was, Dear God, I hope that you show your loving mercy for Holly, who cared for us when we were just children. She cared for all of us, and I am—I assume everyone else would want to return the favor. Please help Holly on this operation of her transplant to help her to heal and to her full condition so that we may see her again back at church. We love you, Holly, and we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. That prayer meant so much to me, Gabe. You'll just have no idea how much that meant. And then one of the verses while I was sick that came back to me over and over again was Deuteronomy 31.6. He will not leave you or forsake you. Well, the night before my transplant, I opened a letter from Carter Bronson and right on the front was that verse. And I thought, oh, I wonder if he, whoever wrote this letter, because I don't know who it was yet, knew that that was a verse that had followed me through this entire year. And then his letter says, Dear Holly, it's Carter, and I'm at Wednesday Night Church. We were going over some verses, and this verse made me think of you. The verse says, He will not leave you or forsake you. Deuteronomy 31.6 It's my prayer for you, dear Jesus. Please be with Holly as she gets her bone marrow transplant. I hope everything goes as planned. Have the angels looking over her, and with her during her surgery. Amen. I hope you have a great rest of the week, Holly. Carter Bronson. Carter will probably never know how the Lord used him the night he wrote that letter. I appreciate all the cards and letters that I got. Um, but those two boys, um, I've watched them grow up since they were just small kids. And 
it's great to see their faith. It's great to see their dependence on the Lord. And it's great that they are living for the Lord. Today, I'm cancer-free. Radiation, chemo, and a bone marrow transplant. And the Lord is what got me through. It was a tough year, but I would not be able to trade all the blessings I had for my cancer diagnosis. The Lord has been so good to us, and I want everyone to know how much we need to fully depend on the Lord in good days and in bad days. So um, Holly has life now, which she didn't think she would have. And the question is, is that a gift? If she chooses to share it. And she is. Um, she jumped right back in as soon as she was uh, doctor cleared to do so. She's serving on the church board. And, and her heart is to um, transform her church community and her local community. Um, and that's really good because as a church, that is our vision statement. It's um, our mission statement, rather. It's to create a space for you and you and you and you and you and you to grow your gifts and become Christ-like leaders, to have, um, you know, not just to share it, but to do so in a way that helps others to grow, helps you to grow to the place in which you serve and love like Christ, where you love sacrificially um, and you want to share that with others. Now, I know for some of you, you're like, well, okay, how, how do I do that? How do I share my gifts? Well, a great question that we'd love to talk about here at Infuse is the question, how can I help? How can I help? That's a very powerful question. And more often, I think we know our friends, our family members, our communities, our coworkers need this question. They need this question. Hey, how can I help you? And sometimes we're in a season of life, or you may be too, where you're in a season of life is like, hey, can I get some help? Because I'm not gifted in this area. And I'm trying, and I would be willing to learn and grow, but I'm not gifted. And so can someone teach me? Can someone walk alongside me? Can someone help me to see? And that's a, a, a really humbling and powerful question to ask. But I think for many of us, regardless of the season of life we're in, we have the ability to say to others, how can I help? Because when God answered this question, when he looked down at humanity and thought to himself, hey, how can I help them? His answer from the very beginning was to go be with them, to come to earth, to serve alongside them, to minister to them, to teach them in, as Christ and die for them to give his life as ransom for many. Not to condemn us, but to love us and save us. And when you do that, things get better. People get greater. And it grows us. And it transforms us. And it heals us. And it serves us. And that's, as followers of Jesus, what we should do. How can I help? How can I lay my life down for many? Maybe it's just simply sharing a physical talent that you have to build things, to create things, to move carts on Sunday mornings, to pick up stages. For some of you, it's also with your words and your compassion and your time and your investment. But together, when we do that, 
When, when we're working on this together, your gifts make us collectively greater. And that's how God intended it to be. I'm going to end today's message with a um, quote from an atheist, a very outspoken atheist. But I thought his quote was just almost 98% spot on, which I think is so interesting because I think this is just a principle of life because that's how God created our world to work. So whether you're Christian or not, if you look hard enough, you're going to find these truths because this is how God created our work, world and our relationships to work. His name is George Bernard Shaw. And what's so interesting, and I love this um, sometimes about um, agnostics or Christians, uh, or excuse me, agnostics or atheists, as, especially as I was one, um, that even um, in atheists or Christ, uh, agnosticism's, you know, deep, darkest moments of, you know, anger towards Christians or, or people who are religious, um, th there's still this hope that the church could make a difference. And that was so what, true um, with George is he was a, a, an avid atheist, but then he also really believed that the church could make a significant difference in the world, which is really interesting. And I agree with George on that statement, but here's what he said. He said, this is the true joy in life, that being used for a purpose, you recognize yourself as mighty, as being a force of nature. Instead of feverishly and selfishly uh, being a little clod of ailments and grievances, complaining that the world will not devote itself to making you happy, I am of the opinion that my life belongs to the whole community. As long as I live, it is a privilege to do for it whatever I can. I want to be thoroughly used up when I die. For the harder I work, the more I live. I rejoice in life for its own sake. Life is no brief candle to me. It is a short, it is a sort of splendid torch, which I have gotten to hold up for the moment. And I want to make it burn as brightly as possible before handing it on to future generations. Our lives are lights. They can be. That's what Jesus taught. A little light on a hill. A little light in the darkness. A little light into our brokenness. And we can help each other and serve each other and offer what we have as gifts to one another. After service today, um, we really didn't even plan it this way where we're talking about gifts and then we have a refresh event. After service today, um, we're gonna tear everything down. And then hopefully as soon as we're able to, or around 1230, we're gonna meet down in the cafeteria all together, all of our serving teams, or if you wanna join, you're more than welcome to do that. And we talk about why it means, the significance of serving within the church body, serving each other, and the differences that that makes. Um, there's going to be food down there at 12, um, but we'll hopefully get started with things at 1230 once everything's torn down. Um, but if you may feel like, hey, you know what? I'm not sure what I believe about Jesus yet. I'm not even sure about the whole faith thing yet. But like I could see me part, being a part of this church body and serving one another. This is a great first step. But that's just here on Sundays. This is just a way to serve on Sundays. But there's a whole lot more that I think you and I are capable of doing the other six days of the week. 
in family and friends and relationships and the lives around us. And it starts by asking, hey, how can I help? How can I serve? How can I give what I have been given? Just like God looked down at a problem and said, hey, I wanna help. I wanna help. And I want you all, God would say, to know how deeply I love you and how deeply I want to help you. Because that's what really a good parent does, a good heavenly father does, is he wants to help. If you would, bow your head and let's pray with me. Heavenly Father, Lord, thank you for Holly. Thank you for her story. Thank you for her life. Thank you that she has experienced something and she is willing to share that. That I think now she's looking back at this journey as a gift worth sharing. Not because she'd want to relive it, not because she was grateful it happened, but because it is now something that she can give to others, an experience she can give to others, and that makes it a gift. Lord, help us to recognize our gifts. Help us, help us to recognize that we have so much to offer, that we can share that with others. And when we do, it makes us better because that's how you created our world and our relationships and our lives to work together as a body with the things you have given us, giving it to others. Lord, help us today to, to take a step in more generosity of the gifts we've been given, our resources, our time, and our talents, that we would be more willing to share them because even if it's just writing a simple letter, and we may not even be good at writing letters, it doesn't really matter, but just the fact that we do that sometimes can be a gift to others, as it was for Holly in her story. Help us to realize that even sometimes picking up chairs in a gym on Sunday and putting them away, or putting out signs on a Sunday, or clicking slides on a Sunday, or sliding on a soundboard the little faders, or serving in our kids' ministry and pouring into that next generation, that's just not watching kids, it's changing lives. Because that's what gifts do. They impact people. They can stir things in people's spirit that changes them now and forever. So Lord, help us to see our lives as gifts and be willing to give them as you were willing to give your life for us. Lord, we pray this in your son's name, Jesus. Amen.